1: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.
2: Hello and welcome back to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. I'm Matt Addison with Paul Ghost and David Lynch, both alongside me. We're going to talk through the latest in the top four race. We'll chat about the Liverpool midfield as well. At the end, we'll pick our teams to face Wolves, but we shall start, Gorsty with Selhurst Park and Crystal Palace. You... Made the, the trip down there. There wasn't a great deal of excitement. It's not a great view, I don't think, from the uh, Crystal Palace press box either. So uh, probably not the, uh, the greatest afternoon that you've had this season. There wasn't a great deal going on apart from both teams hitting the crossbar. But what did you make of the match?
0: Now, I'd say it wasn't the best afternoon this season, but it wasn't the worst, which probably sums up how bad the season's been. Yeah, it, it's like watching a master of the postbox at um, its <laughs> Park. Uh, I remember me me, Lynchy down there. 2019, was it in the we you know gets the late winner, and um, someone in the press box grabbing out the shoulders and wildly celebrated Liverpool's winner, and, and it may have been David Lynch. I'm not sure. Can say it on the not, butter, not guilty. Cats.
1: I'm professional at all times. Do you mind?
0: Yeah. Um, but there were certainly no winners to be found on Saturday night. It was a foul, uh, the affair Um Difficult, really, to you know to to criticise Liverpool too much because. Where you have gone too heavy handed with the last of Tuesday night. Um But just felt like it, you know, just one moment of quality might have won that game for Liverpool, and he could have got away with this scruffy one they'll win and we'll say no more about it and move on. But unfortunately we forced to settle for a nil nil and the chance to really turn the screw on Tottenham was gone and then they go beat Tottenham the next day. They go and beat Chelsea the next day and um leaves Liverpool with more work to do, doesn't it? I still think they're very much in the face of this top four battle than I am behind yeah, now with two two games in hand and they're still got to play. Tottenham number Anfield at the end of April, that game is, is going to be huge. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Newcastle kind of pick themselves up after that kind of Cup defeat. But in all honesty, Newcastle haven't been in great form since probably around just after Christmas time, I guess. Um, so I, I honestly think now with this tough all battle it's probably just between Liverpool and Spurs if that's not too dismissive of Newcastle um, hopefully not too many Magpies listening to to this podcast but it was um, it was a disappointing night nothing not, not, nothing really to talk about so other than the kind of weird creative ways of a were trying to gift Palace chances in the first half uh, massive it was uh, it was out of sorts again I thought Trent had a really poor game and and Labicator was probably the worst offender of the lot he only lasted 45 minutes he got booked he looked totally disinterested and um, yeah it was just a very poor game there's just no no quality on show whatsoever from from either side
2: yeah it felt very much like Jordan Henderson blocking a shot that was going in from Trent kind of summed up the the afternoon really I mean it was was just one of those days, wasn't it, for, for Liverpool? But, uh, of course, he mentions there the, the sort of Tottenham-Liverpool race, Lynch, that was what I was going to ask you about, actually. It does very much feel like it's between those two teams from this point on. And There is still 15 games to go. I think Tottenham have, have played uh, two games more than Liverpool. I think that's right. So it, it, it does kind of feel like that's the, the battle to, to get into the, the top four will we'll boil down to that. It's just a case of, you know, as we've been saying for a little while now, can Liverpool put together enough of a run to be able to overtake them.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I, that's it. I, I think Ghosty's right to so say you don't, you don't want to dismiss Newcastle out of the picture completely, but I think that because they played everybody once now and everybody's wary of the fact they've got a bit more quality than they used to and they know how to manage them a little bit better. And I think that Newcastle being asked week by week now to sort of break teams down and I think you know they've made great strides in last year or so, but not enough to sort of start doing that on a consistent basis. You know, they they prefer to be the underdog in games and sort of struggling with that change in, in what's been expected of them. So, yeah, I think Liverpool and, and Tottenham are the two there. I think, you know, the, the gap to Tottenham is only three points if Liverpool win the two games in hand. I know, you know, throughout the season, picking up wins has not been particularly easy. So, it, you know, that gap does look big. And But, you know, I, I think about the Crystal Palace result as maybe... You know, I'm I'm maybe clinging to the positives here, but I do do see it as a little bit of a step forward in some ways. I think, you know, we, we on this podcast were were talking, weren't we, after the Brentford, Brighton, Wolves was at three consecutive away defeats where, where Liverpool got absolutely thumped um not too long ago. And I think we all said, you know, let's just have some solidity as a starting point. You know, let's just stop conceding goals if possible and, and try and be a bit more solid. And I don't I don't think Liverpool were perfect in that regard. I think it was a few individual errors at Palace, but it's a third clean sheet on the bounce. You know, that that is something to hang on to. And I think that point could look like a good point if Liverpool win these next two home games, particularly as one of those against Manchester United. I think that'd give you a big, big lift given they, they've really improved this season. So, you know, for that for that to be a good point, I think they've got to go and win the next two. But it, but it could be. It could be two wins, a draw, and then another two wins. And all of a sudden that looks, you know, the picture looks a lot brighter. And, and you know, you're breathing down the neck of a, a Tottenham side who, even though they're sort of, Hitting a little bit of form of late, have been massively inconsistent themselves this season. I, I think Liverpool can can give themselves a chance, and and you know, and also just to say on the Palace result as well, you know, they've not won in nine now. I think it is in all competitions, but you know, you look back through those results and there's draws with Manchester United, there's draws with Newcastle, uh, draws with Brentford and Brighton, who have been in you know sort of really good form of late. So. Um, you know they know Muggs Palace, and it's a difficult place to go in a place where Liverpool, when they have won there in recent years, and they've won there a lot. There's been quite a few last-minute winners in there because it's always been a difficult game. So you know, I think you can you know sort of cling to the upsides here and think that that can be a positive point. But but like I say, Liverpool have now got to build on it, and and to to win these next two, I think will be just just massive for the season as a whole. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, we've said it a few times,
2: haven't we, over the last few weeks? As much as Liverpool need to get onto a, a bit of a, a winning run, it is the top four race. You don't have to win every single game, Gorsty. You can afford yeah. to have the odd little bit of, of drop points here and there. And I suppose, you know, Tottenham, only uh, a week or two back, got absolutely hammered by Leicester. It's not as if they're on a particularly long winning run either.
0: No, exactly. I suppose that's what I mean. I had the chance to, to speak to Andy Robertson after the game, and that was one of the things kind of put to him, basically. You know, it, it's what separates a team who's gone for the title for a team who's challenged for four. You know, just that consistency of results. And one of the questions I asked them was, do you think it'll help that, you know, this, t- this is a team that has got experience of really picking up points at the business end of the season? If you look you look back to a couple of years ago, they won eight of the last 10 and, and drew the other two. And I've written a piece this afternoon and I've generally Liverpool have been really strong in the months we've seen. March and May, uh, not too many points dropped at all. I can't remember the exact statistics now off the top of my head, but they be really strong when it matters said in the final couple of months. Uh, They've got a few more games to play than normal because of the World Cup. Um, I think, two years ago, I think they played 12 between so March and May the last season was 10 possibly, but this season we've got 15, still 15 games left to go. So, it's I suppose it's just about Time and you run it. If you you gotta you gotta get rolling on one and um, disappointing results on Saturday. We can't really you know deny that too much. But it was a clean sheet. Um, Seven points from nine now, which is is decent when you think Liverpool. Will, 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 you know had to go to it. Newcastle. Uh, they were absolutely flying. They've only lost one all season prior to that defeat. And Evan, when we were talking a couple of weeks ago, with them actually maybe even coming to. Anfield as potential favourites, you know, that looks quite laughable now when when you've got the higher size of the results in the game itself. But, yeah, they're the, the steadily building towards something, I'd say. Um, I still think they've got, obviously, a huge game Wednesday and an you know, absolutely massive one on Sunday against Manchester United coming to, to come into Anfield. Still going to play Tottenham as well, haven't they? I think that, that will be the, the crucial one. Um though, thought to come to Anfield as well, I think. Um, so but there's still loads of, of big games in there for Liverpool. I'm um, just about time of that run. if they can start to get bodies back consistently, you know, Darwin Nunes is cleared to play on Wednesday, for example. Even him Canate if he's back in the next week or two. Luis Diaz will be a huge boost when when he comes back. Um, maybe they've they've still got enough muscle memory and enough experience in that squad to put together a run when it really matters. Because as you say, Matt, it's not you know, given the the kind of nature of the fact that they only goal the top four, it's not necessarily where the team's are going to be putting together you know eight to ten wins on the bounces?
2: yeah lots of, of big games left lots of them at Anfield as well a lot of them have, have tended to be away from home in the first half of the season so that's certainly something to, to look forward to for the next few games but not for the first time Lynch. you've got to talk about the, the Liverpool midfield after the weekend and, and the big week ahead obviously Kater, the obvious one given he got took off at half time it kind of summed up his Liverpool career really I think for me he just was given the opportunity didn't really do a great deal to keep hold of it he wasn't the only one of course we've spoken at length about a variety of midfielders this is not me by any means just picking on him but it, it was a particularly disappointing performance I think from his perspective when you think he's probably not got long left in his Liverpool career to make any more of an impact
1: yeah I mean I've criticised Keita before I, I did sort of feel a little bit sorry for him for for Saturday in the sense that I felt the reason he you know the the only reason he got hooked was not because he was performing a million miles worse than the other midfielders. I don't think anyone was playing particularly well in that position to be honest. But I think um, I think the problem was obviously that yellow card and, and wanting to not not lose a player. Um, and, and he probably got that because he was he was being a lot more aggressive than the other midfielders. I think he was try you know attempting more challenges even if they weren't quite coming off. At least he was he was trying to put his foot in and, and make things happen. And but you know as has been the case for much of his career at liverpool just not quite coming off not not quite there in terms of the pace in terms of getting to the ball and and sort of yeah gets gets a book in and, and sort of sums up a, it, it ends up being a sort of a, a disastrous 45 for him really isn't it because he you know he gets dragged off after that having not played particularly well but like i say i, I think the other the other two players in there didn't play particularly well either it's this is going to happen isn't it week so we 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 know that that midfield situation is is probably not going to get any better between now and the end of the season you've just got to grin and bear it I think the, the one thing that hurt Liverpool was, was maybe not having Darwin Nunez in the team I know we are talking about midfield now but I just think all they've got to do between now and the end of the season is paper over those cracks in midfield and, and the way you do that is by scoring goals and, and Darwin Nunez has been in great form recently I think he's really sort of got over that post-World Cup slump and you know he, he's just constantly threatening constantly keeping the opposition backline busy and, and you know you, you look at the Newcastle performance is a really good example of a way of you know Liverpool didn't play well at all but they scored goals at the right times and yeah they just weren't able to do that at Palace and it was just a, yeah the performance just carried on in a bit of a muddle so you know you, you'd, you'd like to think hopefully his his layoff is not too long and they can get him back in and just name some sort of consistent attack regularly because they, they need to do that they need to just be scoring goals together and playing together and linking up and, and finding an that fluency there because if they, if they do that they can cover for the fact that the midfield is just probably you know, going to be a, a bit of a difficult watch between now and, and the point at which they can, they can add to it. Yeah, I think the fact that
2: James Milner was probably the best of the three, the age he is, and the fact that he doesn't always play in midfield, he can often pop up at right back, kind of sums up the the situation. But I think the, the attack, Gorsi, is is a really key point. If Liverpool can get into the top four, that's going to play a huge part. I know you mentioned the Andy Robertson chat before, and you spoke to him about Diogo Jota as well. It kind of feels yeah. like both of, of those players, you know, Jota... And, uh, and, and Darwin Nunez as well. If they can kind of get into a, a little bit of form, you, you can start to paper over the cracks. Like you said before, actually, in terms of just in that kind of game, if Liverpool could have just got themselves ahead,
0: it probably would have been a 1 0 game.
1: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: Yeah, it's, it, I think it's gone massively under the radar, to be honest, how much Liverpool have, have missed Jota. Um, he basically missed all season, hasn't he? You know, we he had he had a brief run of availability between sort of early September and then that injury in Man City, which was October the sixteenth. Um, obviously got the hamstring injury in July in Singapore or Thailand, and uh, hasn't really got going as a result of it. Obviously that calf injury completely wrecked as World Cup as well, and I think Liverpool have, have obviously that's impacted them. But I think not having Jota. Being able to go to the World Cup has probably had a, an adverse impact on Liverpool in terms of that would have just given him a chance to get some fitness. Really, from Liverpool's perspective, he might not necessarily have won the World Cup and being Portugal's main man, but it certainly would have helped from the you know from the Reds' perspective. So that has been has been a massive shame, I think, for all the talk of Liverpool missing Sadio Mane this season, which has been a little bit kind of lazy analysis for me. I think Liverpool have missed Jota just as much. You know, fifteen Premier League goals last season. 21 in all competitions. He's only played 300 odd minutes. Uh, I think there's only Curtis Jones and Naby who played less than him this season. Who were kind of a squad of regulars. that Phillips is someone who might not necessarily include in that that list. So, um, just he's been a massive loss hasn't he? And uh, I, I think I asked Klopp a couple of weeks ago. but you a little concerned that Jota comes back and and you kind of looking towards the summer for him to really start showing his best, as in? might be a little bit of a write-off of the season for him. And and, and he said no, he said, you know, because of how smart the Oboe is and the kind of player he is, we're not too worried about him um, not performing immediately. But I think, you know, being realistic, it's, it's probably too much to expect Charlton to just come flying up the traps and being back to his absolute best that he was at at times last season, really. So we might have to wait and see before we see the best of him again, which is... Obviously not ideal, but something that the people are going to have to deal with. The same goes for, for Luis Diaz when he finally comes back as well, because obviously he hasn't played since the Arsenal game in, in early October, um, underwent surgery in December. So we'll be looking at these two players now who are going to be at their best until next season, Then a lot of responsibility falls to Nunes, to Salah and, and to Cody Gakpo, and and perhaps to a lesser extent Roberto Firmino. So... It's difficult really. Liverpool have been massively hamstrung by injuries all season and, and I think they, they've hugely missed Jota. So, you know, you look at, in terms of just the way things have fallen for him, he hasn't scored now since April last year and so it's um, just been you know massively disappointing that they haven't been able to have him fit and, and ready to go more often.
1: Yeah, he's just, mo- sorry, just to sorry, come mo- in Go. on the, the Jota point. Actually, he, I mean, I agree. So he's looked rusty, hasn't he, since he's he's come back in? And, and the point about him not scoring a while was is an interesting one because you, you think you know Liverpool have definitely missed him, but it it's weird the scoring run he's not on now. So it's apparently it's his last twenty four appearances for Liverpool. But I saw saw a really good tweet um, the other day from Michael Reed, who uh, I don't know if any people should follow him. He's really good on his statistics. And works for Opta, I believe, and he, he said. Someone had mentioned that he, yeah he hadn't scored in his last twenty four appearances for Liverpool, and he said in his defence he has nine assists in that time. He's only started eleven of the twenty four games and only completed ninety minutes in three, which sort of just shows you that it, it, you know he has been contributing as much you know when he when he has been in the team and when he's got minutes on the pitch, but that mostly it's just that period just been wrecked by injury. You know particularly from the basically from the entirety of this season he's you know barely played at all so. You know he's going he's going to be massive, isn't he? When he gets back to full fitness. you just hope between now and the end of the season that you know Klopp's right to hopefully think that he doesn't need that time to acclimatise and get back up to full speed, and that he can just have a, a bit of a say because it go you know goes back to the point I made about papering over the cracks with the attack. You know he'd be a big part of that because he's, he's such a massive goal threat and and has been for Liverpool for a long while. I
2: suppose that links in with what you were saying as well, Ed, about Darwin Nunez and importance of getting him back because if you've got Nunes, Gapo and Salah to start and then, you know, Jota can be eased back in. Roberto Firmino as well has had a bit of an injury recently. He can be eased back in. Suddenly, the attack looks a lot better when you've got the three who are actually fully fit and, and sort of in, in much sharpness, if you like. The other two can then kind of do bits off the bench and, you know,
1: Jota for, for half an hour off the bench is, is a big weapon for the Bulls to have. Well, that's it. If you, if you get to sort of late in the game, the hour mark saying you, you're nil-nil in the game and you've got a genuine option on the bench that you think has got the possibilities to win it for you, that, that's huge. And, you know, you saw how many games did Liverpool win lace on during the run-in last season. You know, the masters of that or they were at that point. You know, maybe they can sort of rediscover that touch once they've got those real attacking options there. It's also sort of helpful, you know, even if you win in a game, you know, a, a tight one, you 2-1 up, it's it's difficult. You know, if you're refreshing your front line and you, you've got new people coming in you've got the, the legs to press and, and really keep the ball at the other end of the pitch, you know, the, the defending starts in the front, doesn't it? Especially in clock teams. So I think, you know, just just having those options, you know, no matter what the game state is, it, it, it's it's just massively helpful to have fresh attackers to bring off the bench. I think that sort of ties in as well, mostly with what we said about Tottenham before you would look at, at them and
2: what they're doing at the moment. When you think of like what you mentioned before, it's not just obviously Jota coming back Canate, Thiago Diaz Liverpool have still got big players to, to sort of add into their squad and make themselves better where maybe Newcastle and Tottenham and one or two of the other teams that are kind of they are what they are Liverpool have still got a couple of bits hopefully to claim onto
0: yeah but, but I mean Liverpool have had that all season I mean it feels like I mean what you would have constituted Liverpool's strongest 11 in August I don't think to probably have, have them available at any one point this season after the Maybe that's changed these days. You know, there's an argument for Stephen Pochett being part of the Bill's strongest eleven at the moment, given the way things have gone. But just so many important players have been sidelined, but wrong times, haven't they? Obviously, Diaz, who we mentioned here, he hasn't played since October. all. But Diogo Jotter's been in and out, more often than out. No, you know, that was his first half of four and a half months on Saturday. Thiago, he got injured for a month, didn't he? First game of the season. Canate is another one. I think he's played eight times in the Premier League um, it's certainly not a lot um, yeah, I think he's he,
2: only he's only played about 320 minutes with Van Dyke. I think this season yeah. so, well, that's they, obviously you know, Van the Dyke best.
0: actually just come off six weeks six weeks off himself um, so pretty much everywhere you look Liverpool have, have struggled with injuries and um, sometimes it just feels like you know you're making excuses but you know it can be kind of nothing for explanations aren't I me mean, as to why they've dropped off and Um, The performances at at times have been awful, haven't they? We can't cover that too much, but injuries have played a part to an extent. um, It just feels like we just keep saying that if Liverpool can get one or two players fit, then results will improve. But um, it just seems like it's plug and leaks this season for Liverpool. You, You plug one and another one springs up, and now you're waiting on Karate. Hopefully... I mean, he was back in training last week, was he? Maybe Wednesday comes too early for him. He might have an outside chance for United. on Sunday. we'll wait to see what Klopp says tomorrow. Um, Thiago, he's going to be missing another few weeks, isn't he? Diaz, not expected back imminently, but, um, you know, in a few weeks, there's still enough games to play for the injured players to still have a bit of an impact on this season. And... um, I think it's a, it's a little bit up, be a little bit unfair on, on expecting Diaz to come back and, and be at the sorts of levels he's generally been at since he, he joined the club but maybe there's he's just got enough about them to to make a telling impact at some point down the line we'll, we'll wait and see there's still enough games left Um it does just feel like Liverpool have just you know had one on typing behind the back far too often this season with the amount of players that, that they've been unable to to pit.
1: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo
0: Yeah. Just got to,
2: to keep slogging away and trying to to get the, the 1-0 wins, try and keep the clean sheets going. That certainly was one positive. Just before we go on and, and pick our teams for, for Wolves and Lynch, just in terms of the, the top four races, we said before, still 15 games to go. How much hope have
1: you got that Liverpool can do it? Are you, are you feeling confident or what's that the mood this week? I, w- I definitely wouldn't say confident. I think there's just been too many perform- poor performances this season and, and- you know, it's it's just ca- can they put that run together it, basically we're asking them I, I think to get in the top four they have to do something they haven't done this season which is probably you know maybe win five on the balance at any point I, I think I've said this a few times I think that's sort of the that's the thing that will will maybe get them up ahead of Tottenham and, and, and you know allow themselves to to get on a run then that will keep them there you know can can they do it I don't know I, I think this is a big week uh, I said this at the top of the pod uh, I think you know if you win your next two I think it, you really are convinced then I think that that Liverpool have, have turned a huge corner and that you know they can put some sustained form together I think a big factor in it as well is course is he's right really mentioned the inju- injuries that that is huge if Liverpool, because one of the biggest problems this season as well is not just they've, they've, they've lost players but it's getting players back and then losing another player and you know and, and not being able to rotate as much and then that's caused further injuries so you know if Canate comes back in now, does does Van Dijk get another injury, or Robertson suddenly get one, or you know, we just Liverpool need that to not happen. They need some sort of consistency in selection between now and the end of the season. They're not in all the competitions. They're good. Well, they're going to be basically just playing Premier League games till the end of the season. So that should allow for them to to pretty much pick a, a very similar team between now and the end of the season. I think if they do that, I have more faith that they can they can possibly get on a little run and and, and make the top four. But yeah. It, that again would still be dependent I think on um, I think they're probably going to win the next two yeah,
2: I think that is a big advantage isn't it the, the fixtures when you look at how many games Manchester United are going to play obviously the, the Carabao Cup is finished but they're still in in Europe still in the FA Cup I'm not saying necessarily that Liverpool should be looking to, to caps them up but it's uh, going to be a, almost a, a similar situation to what Liverpool had last season where they suddenly find themselves playing loads and loads of football and maybe that is tested a little bit but we'll see what happens We'll see what happens against Wolves and we'll come on to, to pick our team for that game now, Gorsty. I'll start with you. Are you expecting any changes across the, the back? Would you bring Ibrahim Iconate back in if he is fit and, and ready to go? Or would you be more tempted possibly to, to give him a little bit longer and make sure he's ready for the weekend's game with Manchester
0: United? Yeah, as tempting as it is, I'm, I'm going to stick with, stick with Massup. Um, I thought he was terrible on, on Saturday, to be frank. Um, just looked so shaky in possession. Um, him and Trent on that right hand side were, were not great at all, and I thought Van Dijk had to be very very good to, to help them out really. Um, but I've been mindful of Canard rushing back. Canard so too and and up getting injured again. I think um, he's going to be needed for Sunday if he's got any chance. So yeah, I'm st- sticking with sticking with the back five.
2: Yeah, I think I'm uh, reluctantly the same as you. I do wonder whether there might be a change at fullback given it's three games in a week, Lynch. Is there any sort of argument there, do you think? Would you try and bring Canarte back? What what, what are you thinking across the back four?
1: I th- I just think Matip's performance the other night is making me want to take a risk with Canarte, to be honest. I think and also I think you know it'd be kind of nice to get some minutes in his legs before the Manchester United game. I just think you know if he if he can it be you know they'll have a good idea won't they of whether it is a risk or not. Um, you know it wasn't a massive layoff so so maybe there's there's a chance there he could come in for Wednesday and then do do the Sunday after. Yeah, I really hope so because I think he's massive in terms of improving that back line. I think. You know, not every problem that Liverpool has been personnel issue, but having him back in terms of just having that pace, defensive recovery pace there. And, and obviously him and Van Dijk are really smart partnership together, helping out trends as well. And, and it, I think it helps both fullbacks when when that's the centre-half pair in there. So, I'd, yeah, I would really would like to see Canante back in, if, you know, if it's possible. Uh, and the rest... At, Maybe maybe no, no other changes. Obviously he brought Trent soft in the gets Crystal Palace, maybe thinking that he's he's gonna protect him because he's he's got a lot of football to play and he has played a lot of football. Um but I think he you know, I think Trent and Robertson and well every player who's fit is gonna to have to whenever there is a midweek now between now and the end of the season, he's he's gonna to have to do the midweek weekend thing because you know, he shouldn't have too many. It's I know there's there's more fixtures than they would usually fit in in the Premier League schedule, but it like you said they're not in the cups. They you know, they don't have to worry about any of that. So you would like to say that, think that he could, he could play these 15 games in, in the league and with a consistent side.
2: Yeah, certainly. Like you, you say, he took off trending a little bit earlier. Maybe we'll see a little bit of that. You'd certainly rather see him maybe do 60, 70 minutes and then come off rather than not starting that game at all. But so it would be interesting. Let's move on to the midfield then, Gorsey, Who are you going to pick in the centre of the pitch? The
1: Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool
0: Echo. Uh, I'm gonna bring Stephen Petchett back in, um, and then I suppose it's it's simply a case of who's the least worst at the moment, which is is a damning indictment, really. Um, wow, <laughs> that, it's
1: that, a hard situation as well.
0: That's what it feels <laughs> like. I mean, um McCabe said, "No chance." Um, I'd be I'd be surprised if he if he starts another game again this season after uh, Saturday nights He's kind of dwindling down his Liverpool career now. Was near last final months. You know, but if he wants to remain a Liverpool player, he's 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 not going the right way about showing. I thought that was a pretty awful appearance from him on Saturday. Jordan Henderson and James Wilder were much better. Um up so the um Fabinho and um Henderson, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think I'm the same as you. I think Fabinho will come back in, even if he wasn't particularly Great when he came off the bench and hasn't been recently, but I think he uh, he will probably have to to come in. then are, are you the same three or
1: any changes in there? Yeah, I, th- I think the best the midfields looked in, in sort of possibly the entirety of the season was when, you know, against Everton whether it was by Chessage, Henderson and Fabinho. I just think that you know, maybe by some magic that they can they can put in another good performance together. I think by Chessage being in there does, does lift things a little bit, not just because he's a quality young player, but also just that energy in there and, and maybe protecting others' legs a little bit more, you know, filling gaps for them. And he's such a smart player. So, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to see him back in because I think he, he has to start against United as well. Um, and yeah, he, that, that's as good as, as Liverpool have looked in midfield and it, recently. So hopefully they we can, we can sort of rediscover that again. Yeah, I was considering trying to get Harvey
2: Elliott into that midfield three, but I think you're both right. I think that the balance of it just looks a lot better when it's been the Fabinho, Henderson and, and Bacetic. So I will uh, we'll go with that as well. Let's move on to the forward line then, Gorsty. We mentioned before a, a few names and needing to get sharpness back. Which three are you going to go for up top?
0: Yeah, I think the important one is Nunes, isn't it? Whether he's, he's cleared to play or not. He's obviously felt the effects of that shoulder injury at Newcastle Play through the pain barrier with the help of an injection against Real Madrid. So it's just a case of, of how that's healed up. Um, I suppose Clock will deliver an update tomorrow on that one. Uh, let's say he is cleared to play. I'm going to start him on the left, I'm put up Mo on the right. I think it might be a good time to bring Firmino in, give him a first start um, since November.
2: Yeah, I can certainly see Roberto Firmino coming in. I think Darwin Nunez will start if he's fit, Lynchy. Which way are you going to go with it?
1: Yeah, I kind of like that front three, to be honest. I think I think Firmino maybe coming back in would be a, a smart move. Gakpo's played an awful lot, hasn't he, since coming in? And I think he's been improving and showing real signs that he could be that sort of next Firmino type. It looks like it's really working that, and it you know I know he will get better as well. Uh, but just maybe pull him out the firing line a little bit. Maybe you know, maybe then he comes in to start against Manchester United. Um, and, and Firmino seems the, the the direct swap, doesn't he? I know, you know, maybe he's going to be tempted to start Josser in there. But if you've got Nunez on the left hand side, Salah on the right, I think Firmino's the better fit in terms of allowing those two to play their natural game, which is go into central positions and him to drop off. Um we you know he's been doing that for years. So I think yeah, I, I'd agree with that as a front three I like that. Yeah, certainly like the uh, the look of that. Those are our teams then. We'll quickly go around
2: and do score predictions as well. I think I'll go 1-0 to Liverpool. I think it will be another tie one, another close one. I think it might be a little bit like the, the West Ham game actually at Anfield a bit earlier on in the season where Liverpool just have to uh, grind it out, but they might just edge it. Uh, ghosty, what do you reckon? How was it, how's it going to go?
0: Yeah, I think it might be something similar really where Liverpool win just by virtue of it being an Anfield in a way. Um, the three games this season have been weird. Have they? You know, hard for one nil in the FA Cup. They got absolutely hammered at Man in the Premier League, and and a sort of strange two-two game at Anfield in the FA Cup, where they were lucky to go through. Really, Or uh, lucky to take it to a, to a uh, replay. Yeah, I, f- I, f- I probably just just Liverpool one nil. Maybe shall against his 20th goal this season. Maybe even a penalty. We haven't seen any of that, have we? This season, certainly not in the Premier League anyway.
2: Certainly it's going to be
1: a tight one, Lynchy. What do you reckon? Well, it's three clean sheets on the bounce, so I just can't see them keeping a fourth, to be honest. <laughs> so I'm sort of minded to think that the Wolves will maybe score, but to keep things positive, maybe, you know, if Nunez comes back as well, I think it adds in a lot more goal threat, So maybe Liverpool 2 1.
2: Good stuff. Wins all round, hopefully, those. Predictions do prove to be correct. Another ball can pick up the three points. We'll, of course, have all of the coverage and all of the usual places. We'll be building up to Manchester United as well after Wednesday's game is out of the way. For now, though, we shall leave it there. Thanks to Paul and to David for joining me. We'll catch you next time right here on the Blood Red Channel.
1: You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.